everyone. Um, I'd like to welcome you back to your seats. Today's teaching text comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, beginning in verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is the word of the Lord. All right. Good morning, everybody. How are we doing? Everybody excited to be here in this so like kind of cold room? It might actually be warmer outside. That's okay. We'll get through this day to, together, right? If you're super cold, sit on somebody's lap. They won't mind. So, man, it's just really good to be together, and it was amazing to celebrate last week. Four baptisms uh, together as a community. That was amazing to watch. How many of you saw the video, the recap video online this week? Social media, pretty incredible. That was awesome. We have a really big day planned today. There's a lot happening in the life of our community, and I want to jump right into our text. And I just want to start by actually saying this morning that um, uh, more, more, maybe more than, um, than, than a typical like three-point sermon and you sit there and take a bunch of notes sort of like set up, I don't know what's in your heart and expectation for today. Uh, maybe we would treat today more like um, you would imagine what it would be like to sit down at a brazo or your favorite coffee shop and, and just share our hearts together about life and God. Is that okay? Does that sound all right? That we would talk about um, what, what we see happening in our community and explore this text together and have more of just like a conversation with Guy. That's how I'm approaching things today. And so I would, um, I would love to actually just pause for a second and, and pray again together as a community. Can we do that? God in heaven, we, um, we gather in this space this morning with a great sense of anticipation and hope that you are here, that, that you are real, that you, you really did conquer sin and death and Satan and the grave, and that what we celebrated last week wasn't just a, a neat thing to make us feel good, but is actually reality. God, we gather in this space this morning and look at your scripture because we believe that you've made us and you've created us to be good and to be beautiful and to carry with us a story of good news into the world. And yet, God, we also confess that we're really struggling at that sometimes, that we don't completely or always know how to do that. And so in these moments, God, would you make us more like you? God, would we be less concerned about how far along the journey we are and be more interested in who, what you're saying in these moments? I pray, God, that we would be different because of it. In your name we pray. Amen. 
So I don't know if you were here a couple of weeks ago, but Palm Sunday was actually the day that we as a church marked our six-year anniversary as being a faith community in this neighborhood. That's pretty incredible. Six years. It's amazing. And I don't know if you were here six years ago. In fact, my guess is most of us were... Okay, let's just do this. It doesn't even matter. I'm not even worried about this. How many of you were here six years ago on launch Sunday? Three of us. Three of us. Okay, how, okay first six months. Let's, let's expand it a little bit. So the first six months, you were here the first six months within our church. Okay, the first year. The first year. Joanna, are you confused? You're not really sure? Was it? Yeah, there we go. Well, we'll expand it. I think as, as we continue to go along... Um, we come to understand that our story has emerged and evolved and changed over the years. Uh, somebody told me when we first started this that the people that would help us at the very beginning wouldn't be the people that would help build in the next season. And even the risky sort of like how many of us were there at the very early, the very beginning is, is sort of a sign of that. And we could sort of hide from that or feel a certain sort of way or we could just embrace the fact that the people that were there in the very beginning helped get us to where we are, and we stand here today, sit here today, carry this story with us forward, and where will this story go? What I can tell you is that at the very beginning, six years ago when this church started, nine years, almost eight years ago, I'm sorry, when Rebecca and I moved here, Rebecca was pregnant with our youngest child. We moved from a three-story row house where the whole thing was ours in Pittsburgh. I want you to imagine that. 3,300 square feet was just ours. We had our own stairs and our own backyard. We weren't sharing it with anybody. And God said, go to New York. And we're like, really? Yes, go. Move into the East Philly. It was an amazing neighborhood. This is going to be incredible. And then we realized this neighborhood has the smallest apartments of every New York City neighborhood ever. And so taking 3,300 square feet of human capital and, 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 and possessions and squeezing it into a 630 square foot apartment on East 11th Street. And we could spend a bunch of time talking about all the like, little changes that the Wascos had to make or the changes that you had to make when you moved here if you're not from New York. We could spend a bunch of time talking about um, the way God just kept showing up. The miracles. I, I, I confessed to you a couple of weeks ago when we were in that Holy Spirit sermon series and trying to like wrestle with spiritual gifts that a lot of our faith stories were kind of old and dusty and that we needed new faith stories. Anybody have any new faith stories? Anybody feel hungry for a new story? I didn't, I didn't know then what I know now when I said that. But God's calling us into a space of having fresh faith stories. I don't know um, how long you've been walking with Jesus, but um, for my journey, there's been a couple of different passages of Scripture that just like jump out and stick and like go with you through seasons. Any of you have those kinds of verses? Isaiah chapter 43 is one of those places in the Old Testament that just sticks with me. And it could really preach, listen to this, these are the words from Isaiah the prophet, he says, forget the former things. God's been at work and there's a history there and it's really important and it shapes who you are, but would you just put it on the shelf for a second? Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing something new, a new thing. And now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Do you have eyes to see what God is doing? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. It's possible that some of us have felt stuck or lost, and God's promise is that he's making a way forward. He's creating a pathway. 
It's also possible that you feel dry and parched and, 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 and stuck, and God is saying there's something fresh, there's new hope, there's something that will satisfy, I'm doing something new, can you see it? I think this is really important because, and let me just also, let's just pause for a second, acknowledge that this is a particular message to a particular people at a very specific time in history. And so these people needed to hear this very specific promise from God. But let's also understand that if we look from the very beginning to the very end of the story in the scriptures, God is doing something new. That is the hope of the resurrection, friends. That is the hope of what we celebrated last week, that Jesus rose from the dead and conquered sin, death, Satan, hell, and the curse, and we actually move forward because God is doing something new. But I feel like maybe I'm just preaching to myself. Maybe I'm the only one that needs something new to happen in my life. You are all so set. I can just see it on your faces. You're so good. You're just here to, to just give to others. You're just like ready to just pour out the overflow of your life. You don't need anything. This scripture has been so powerful for me and encouraging to me over the years. And so the question is, do you see what if God is still doing new things, friends? What if God is doing something new in your heart and life right now? What if God isn't finished with our church? What if six years in we have beautiful stories to celebrate, but what if God isn't finished writing our story? What if he's not done? What if, like in our teaching text this morning, we stopped worrying about the small things, the practical things, the things that bog us down and get us stressed out and worried and keep us in that perpetual cycle of worry? What if we, what if we dared to believe that God was doing something new? What if we dared to, to, to seek after the king and his kingdom? What if just beneath the surface we actually believed that God was working something fresh and new? What, what if, just like a seed hits the soil and we don't see any kind of activity, God is doing something underneath, the roots are going out and beginning, and, that, and, and then in some new season we will step forward and see that thing sprout out and bear fruit? What if? What if we had eyes to see? What if we trusted God? That way, what if we believed he's really making us new? What if, what if God's asking us to step out of a space of comfortability and, and risk again? What if God is asking us to move from stability and security to a place of faith and the unknown? And you know that that's not just a theoretical thing, that's something that God actually does on a regular basis. Oftentimes, just when you're getting set, just when you're sort of settling in, God says, uh, let's just tinker with this a little bit. I've got something new. And so we come to Jesus' teaching here, the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is sharing with the group of people what it looks like to live in the way of the kingdom, to embrace the values of the kingdom, the lifestyle of the kingdom of his way of life, and he's giving us the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, and then we fast forward to Matthew 6, and apparently the people that Jesus was talking to, they're not all that different from you and I. The cares and concerns of the world were pressing in on them in such a way that it made it really hard to seek Jesus and to live these things out. So I don't know if you've ever been distracted by a bad boss or a crooked thing that's happening at work or a professor that just won't get off your back. I don't know if you've ever had the pressure of not knowing how you were going to pay your bills or the rent. I don't know if you've ever been laid off, but the people that were hearing these words needed to know that they didn't have anything to worry about. 
And in the midst of all of the pressure of the circumstance of life, when things might not be going exactly the way we want them to, Jesus says these words. Despite everything else that's happening in the external, seek me first. Matthew 6, he says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all of this other stuff, it'll be taken care of. What if the new thing God's doing in your life this morning, friends, is an invitation to free you from the worry that keeps you from actually being the person God's created you to be? What if the new thing, the new seed that God wants to plant in the soil of your life is this invitation to be free from these types of worries? And how do we do that? Well, we step in first. Jesus is giving us a clue. And if we practice these principles, I want to believe, friends, that the promise of the principle will become a reality in your life. And so Jesus is inviting us to seek him first. His way of life is essentially what this first part of this verse means. That to seek the kingdom of God is to seek his way of life, is to live out to the Beatitudes themselves, is to treat others with kindness, is to extend the same kind of grace and love and compassion that he's extended to us. You go through the list and we begin to see how Jesus has made us to live differently. That's part of what Jesus' invitation here is, is that we would, in a way, even establish new habits. So we seek first his kingdom, his way of life, basically, and that we would also seek first his righteousness. Now, here what that word really means is that as we seek first the kingdom of God, establish new habits in our lives, we, our eyes will be open to the brokenness in the world. Has anybody seen any brokenness in the world? Anybody seen anything that's like super messy and reminds us that we're pretty messed up and we need a rescuer, we need a savior, we need something to, 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 to help? What Jesus is saying here is that to seek his righteousness is to restore the broken places. Where is there brokenness? Where is there pain? Where is there something that's not right and injustice? And how do I step in and help bring some kind of resolution or help there? That's what Jesus is inviting us into. And there's some promise here that if we figure that out, friends, if we dare to believe that that's possible, then what ultimately ends up happening is we begin to put the cares of this world in perspective. And so suddenly, maybe the, 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 the mean boss or the crooked situation at work or the, the professor that won't get off our backs or the, the brokenness at home or the, the, the deficit in the bank account doesn't necessarily completely solve itself immediately. But it means we begin to properly see it and understand it in its right context. And this idea of seeking first the kingdom of God and seeing his kingdom break out into the world is at the very heart of Trinity Grace Church. And I know that only three of us were here at the very beginning, but it's so true, friends, that then and all the way to today, what we've been hoping for is that in the middle of this incredibly beautiful city, as amazing as it is, there would also be a beautiful garden. That as incredible as New York City is and as city positive as we are, there's also this deep desire that in this garden would be a group of people that are, that are, that are cultivating the soil, that are preparing the ground so that we could love Jesus and welcome in others. That in this garden, uh, Scripture is being um, cultivated and cherished. That in this garden, we're inviting the entire city to come and rest, to be renewed that in the middle of this beautiful garden is the soil where good fruit can, 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 can be harvested and shared and celebrated. 
And so this church started off as an experiment to see if we could cultivate a garden like that in the middle of this concrete jungle. That there would be this literal paradise of people who are saying there's a, way, there's a different way to live and as we seek God, the people and the broken systems of this world are being restored. If I told you there was an actual place like that in this neighborhood, who would want to go check it out right now? That sounds like a really beautiful place. That sounds like a really compelling way to live. I want to find that place. That's what we've been asked after as a community. And so, even as we've been praying and thinking and processing over this last week, today we, we gather here with the resurrection behind us, but our future is completely on the horizon. And we can either be bogged down by the worries of this world and the cares and the concerns, the things that, that, that even the birds of the air are taking care of, or we can seek first the kingdom of God. We can go after him. We can ask the what if question. What if God is still doing this? What if God isn't done with us yet? So when Jesus stands up and he announces to his followers to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you, we also have to just recognize that, man, that's actually really hard, isn't it? It's actually really difficult. I mean, we're not talking about small things. Like, what, what does it actually look like to seek the kingdom of God when maybe your dream is dying? Maybe the very thing that compelled you to reorient your life has now been taken away from you. How do you seek first the kingdom of God when your sin seems so overwhelming? You just keep committing the same, the same things over and over again. Or, or when you just feel like an ordinary person. Or when you have influence but you face persecution and oppression. Or when you've been largely ignored. Or you've largely ignored him all your life. What does it look like? And so today we're asking that question. What does it look like? What if God's still at work and still moving, and, and still wants us to seek after him. I think part of the challenge with all of this is the fact that the city is always changing. Nothing stays the same, right? I mean, even just think about the fact that this congregation today has changed so much since the last six years. You want to talk about how it's really hard to pursue God. I want to tell you, friends, I've said goodbye to more friends than I care to admit to. Because the city just has a way of bringing people in and then churning them out and spitting them out and then they move on. So many of us, and it doesn't mean that just because you lose means that, you, I mean, it, just, it doesn't mean that just because you move means that you've lost. That, that's not what I'm trying to say either. There's not a correlation there. We've said goodbye to some really beautiful friends over the years really special people, and I believe God's called them onto new things, other things. But that's just part of the nature of life in New York. Like, things change. Uh, my favorite restaurant has changed. It's gone. It's disappeared. Favorite places that you've enjoyed hanging out in, they, they change. The skyline, people, the culture, the real estate, businesses, all of this is constantly changing. We just finished tax season. It's behind us. Amen? 37% of you don't earn an income, so you don't care. But when you do, <laughs> when you have real money and you realize how little of it you actually get to keep, you will deeply care about tax season. But it's been said that there's only two things that are constant in life, death and taxes. I would actually add a third thing. There's three constants in life, death, taxes, and nothing stays the same. 
Nothing stays the same. I mean, think about it. Even the things you want to stay the same don't. You aren't even the same person today as you were last year or three years ago. So change is inevitable, but here's part of the problem. Some of us like change, and some of us don't like change. Who likes change? And who's sort of like change? You just would prefer things to stay more stable and consistent. How many of you could care less? No. I love change. Rebecca is um, not as in love with change as I am. And so we've had to figure out how to navigate that sort of desire and longing that seem to be opposed to one another um, while also staying married together. Some of us are explorers. We're natural pioneers. Others of us are city planners. We'd rather like, once we're here, let's like actually get everything together. And we need both. We need all of those um, uh, personality types and characters and skills and all of that, but the truth of the matter is, whether you like change or not, change happens and there's nothing you can do about it. Sometimes you have control over change, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you get to influence and strategize and sort of project. Sometimes things just happen to you, right? And you have to deal with the circumstances that are in front of you. Have you ever signed up for one thing and gotten something else? Whether with a relationship, and if it's who you're sitting next to, do not make eye contact right now. (laughs) My counseling schedule is pretty full, and I'm not sure I have time for that. You sign up for one thing and you get something else. You ever ever go to to a, a, a class, a workshop, a seminar, actual university? You ever sign up for a job, move to a new city, have a new roommate? Maybe you get pregnant and you're like, this is amazing and that child is there and you're like, dear God, I don't know what to do. You thought you were all in, but suddenly this child just won't stop screaming. I had one of those for six and a half months, just screamed. If the child was awake, she was just screaming. And it was really hard. It It made things really hard. You sign up for one thing, you get something different. Have you ever experienced so much um, success and growth like it was just so good that it actually changed over time and you ha- it had to change, it had to adapt. I think when you start something and it's going really well, you have to um, slowly move into another season and then experience what that season is like and then make some modifications and then there's a new organizational strategy or you have to add complexity or new people come into the story or it, things just have to be adjusted, they have to be innovated, they have to be tweaked a little bit. If you've never personally experienced this, maybe you just listened to this a little bit of like a heads up. If you're ever a part of something that's really beautiful but also complex, probably what you did in the beginning won't work two or three years in. Everybody got that? That's free for you for the future. Things that are good and growing and healthy require work. They require uh, innovation. They require um, leadership. It requires people to say, okay, is this still working? What should we do to fix this or to change this or to, to, to capture the essence of this, to, to leverage this? In 2011, when this church first launched, April of 2011, it's actually March I preached the sermon out of Matthew chapter 5 and 6. And in that sermon, in that day, the three of us were here that day to hear it, maybe, I said we were going to take the long view of planting this church. 
We're going to take the long view of being a community of faith in this city. Now, I, I, I don't know about you, but I like to see impact right away. Anybody like to see like immediate return on results? Anybody? How many of you are like, you know what, it's okay if I don't see any progress for a few years? That's what I thought. You see, because there's, a, there's, something, there's something about perseverance, there's something about like faithfulness and that no-quit, can-do attitude that's like really compelling and beautiful that reminds us how strong we are as human beings, right? But very few of us actually sign up for that at the very beginning. Most of us, like that commercial that's on, on TV right now where like the, 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 the handyman is sitting there and he's like, I'm going to tear down this wall and it's structural and it's going to cause a ton of problems and it's going to extend the project and it's going to cost tens of thousands of more dollars. Have you seen that one? The commercial basically where there's a bunch of people who are actually saying what they're thinking and feeling. If we were really true and honest, we would say, guy, I'd like to come into this church and I'd like a bunch of these things to happen right away and I want them to happen sooner than later and I really need them to happen like this and this is what I want it to look like. You go into your work or your relationships, any other area of your life, and we expect there to be immediate results the way we want them to be. So saying in 2011, as we began this church, that we were going to take the long view of things was not the sexy, innovative, beautiful thing to say. It's not a compelling, like vision-casting sort of thing. But I want to tell you, friends, it's still so true. Because Jesus is doing a new thing, even if we do not see it. Because Jesus promises us that if we seek him first, he's going to take care of everything else. That feels like a better way of living and being to me than me constantly trying to fix and control and steward and strategize and plan. And so while it's hard to think about life and ministry as a marathon, it's take it from me, I hate running. I despise running. I love, any runners in the room, I love you. I don't understand you. <laughs> the Boston Marathon just took place, and it was really beautiful. Did you see some of the pictures? The first woman that ever ran in the Boston Marathon ran again 50 years later. That's beautiful. I love that. There's something in a marathon runner that just, I do not have that thing. To just keep going. Right when your body wants to completely shut down, you just have to find the willpower to press through. The long view is hard, but the long view pays off, especially when things change so much. And so Jesus is calling us as a community as we move forward to be a community that seeks God first no matter what, and that asks the what if question. What if God isn't finished with us? And this is a really important question because, again, and I just got a refill on my nice cappuccino at Abrazzo, and it's so delicious and warm and wonderful. But this is an important conversation because, and question because a lot of things are changing, and not just in the city, not just in a theoretical way. A lot of changes are taking place, especially within Trinity Grace Church as a whole. And I want to just go back to the very beginning, kind of like we did with our own church plant. And I want to tell you that at the very beginning of Trinity Grace, when this first started over 11 years ago, it wasn't even called Trinity Grace. Do you remember what it was called? Origins, which is like a makeup company or a really bad cult out of Southern California. <laughs> Nothing against SoCal. It's a wonderful place. 
But over the years, it's changed, it's morphed, it's, it's adapted like the city has. And at a certain point, the leadership of Trinity Grace just said, let's not do it this way, let's do it a different way. But you know what's happened over the last few years? Unfortunately, what's happened, the temptation, the thing that's sort of, in a way, become, become the, 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 the marker of Trinity Grace isn't our way of seeking God, it's become the thing. The model of multiple church plants across the city that relate to one another was a good idea of networking and and leveraging resources and trying to be missionally effective, and at the time it was. But there was a time when Trinity Grace was known for the way we pursued God. There was a time for Trinity Grace that we were known for the way that we did like really effective, missionally loving people in neighborhoods. And then over time, Trinity Grace became known for how to relate to one another on this larger 11 parishes across three boroughs sort of organizational strategy kind of way. And the model became the most important thing. God is inviting Trinity Grace into a brand new season where the model is no longer the thing. And so over the years, the result of growth and really the result of success in many ways of just God's kindness and favor to us, to Trinity Grace as a whole, we've had to grow as well. We've had to modify and and go on that journey and recognize and ask good questions and and wonder about, is this working and how do we continue to innovate and how do we deal with the complexities and the complications and how challenging this city and this model really is. And so the elders of Trinity Grace Church have recently come to the conclusion that the way forward for us is to actually not be together as Trinity Grace Church. The the way forward for, for us and for the model is for actually there to be this freedom, this release to every congregation to become its own standing congregation. See, up until this point, we've been one technical church, and and the complexity of trying to relate to one another over the years has actually begun to hinder our ability to get back to the core DNA of who we've been called to as a local community and as the faith community that Trinity Grace is across the church, across the city, rather. So a decision's been made for Trinity Grace, all of the congregations, to move in a direction where each will become its own independent, autonomous local church, and then decide how we want to relate to one another, what it will look like, what we'll call ourselves, and what those relationships will be like. But those will be along relational lines and along missional lines, not along organizational lines. And I think that's a really good thing. And so if the answer for us, the the question is, what if God isn't done with us yet? What What if God is still doing new things? My answer is, I'm ready. I'm excited about our future. This is sad and challenging and, and, and not anything at all like what any of us had dreamed about years ago. And yet God's still doing something new in this city. God's not done yet. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to keep going. We're going to keep fighting for the kingdom. We're going to keep pressing in and pursuing. We're going to keep asking the what-if questions. We're going to keep reorienting around mission and seeking God and finding the broken places and bringing restoration. A couple of things that I 
want to make sure I'm very clear that I'm telling you, because there's a lot of change that's about to happen to our community and to 11 or 10 other congregations across the city, but we only want to play our part. That's all we've ever signed up for, is to play our unique part in this. And so while this change is being brought to us, we have a lot of opportunity here as a community to say, okay, God, what are you doing? What if you aren't finished with us yet, even if we're not called the same thing? And so just practically speaking, I want to make sure I'm really clear about a couple of things. First of all, Rebecca and I, we're not going anywhere. We're so committed to this. If you were hoping that maybe Rebecca and I would get out of the way, that, 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 which is totally fine, and I might be with you on certain days, that's a separate conversation. Rebecca and I are as committed to this community and to seeing the kingdom come here as ever before. So we're not going anywhere. This congregation isn't going anywhere. Well, we can't do it by ourselves, and we'll talk about sort of the commitment factor here in a second, but practically speaking, this is it. You're stuck with us, but we're ready. Secondly, I want you to know that while there has been some level of covering, spiritual authority and covering within Trinity Grace over the years, um, we are moving in a direction where as an autonomous church, we have to have a stronger, more robust um, covering, spiritual covering and authority here with us as a community. And so we're going to do that in a couple of ways. Very specifically, we already have an interim elder team in place, and they are passionate, they're pursuing God, they're praying together, and we are spending time going, God, what are you doing with us? Where are you taking us? And the desire is that we would pray more than we strategize. And I want to tell you, it's such an incredible honor to serve alongside these people. And it's also still very true. When I moved here, when we moved here nine or eight years ago, I don't know why I keep wanting to say nine years, eight years ago, um, I didn't want to do this by myself. This, there was no desire for us to move here and just be completely on our own. And so that's still, that's still true. And so we're... we're we're literally asking God, um, Lord, who's our new tribe? Who are our new people? Where do we go? Who wants to marry Trinity Grace East Village? Like, we've got this community, and like, we're looking for a new group of people to, to, to run alongside of, to resource, and to bring spiritual covering and authority. So pray with us about that. And then I think that's probably just like leads to this third thing, that we are, as a community, discerning that God is calling us into a new season with a new identity. That while a couple of Trinity Grace parishes will choose to continue to serve God and pursue the kingdom of God through their current name and story, we will build off of that and move into the future as a new church. Now, I don't know what timeline looks like. I don't, I don't know. Uh, there's probably more unanswered questions than there, than there are answers. But there's a couple of commitments that we as a leadership want to make to you as a congregation. The first is that, like I've already tried to mention, that we are so prayerfully dependent on God. Again, we want to be so much more marked by um, prayer and fasting and listening to the Holy Spirit and seeking God than like really good strategy sessions and whiteboard meetings. Our commitment to you as a leadership is that we would be as transparent as we possibly can be. Which brings me to this other thing is like when things like this happen in the church, it's really sad, but when things like this happen, we're so predisposed to like guess that there's some type of like terrible scandal. How many of you have thought that already? You don't have to raise your hands, but you're like, wait a minute, what's the real story, guy? This is the real story. The real story is that this is really beautiful and it's been really hard. And the best way for us to move forward is for us to do it in this way. 
and to celebrate how God has been at work through Trinity Grace. And to dream and to plan and to be really faithful and present as a new community. So we want to be really transparent with you and we really want to just commit to being in this seek first posture. But that brings us to sort of a a commitment I want to ask you to make to this church. If this is your faith community, if this is your church, series of commitments that I want to ask you to make to us, that you as well would be prayerfully dependent about God coming in and through this community, that you would join us in that seeking, in that dependence, in that prayer. That you would, if this is your faith community, have this all-in attitude, this seek first. That there's going to be a lot of things that we're just not going to know about in the coming days or weeks. There's going to be times when we're going to have to trust one another, but it's going to require all of us to put our whole selves in, time, in serving, our skills, in, in thinking well, and our talents, our treasures, all of that, to seeing the kingdom come through this community. And then I would invite you to trust us and to join us. That's a commitment that I'm asking you to consider seriously as we continue to see and and long to see the kingdom of God come through our community. I was thinking the other night, I was thinking about this um, moment in the Israelite story where they were standing on the edge of the Red Sea and they were looking back at at the Egyptian army like pressing in on them just like, what in the world are we going to do? We're stuck here between this huge army that will crush us and this giant body of water and we have no way across. And Moses has this moment with God, this encounter. He had every right and reason to be worried, to be concerned, to be pressed in by the anxieties of the circumstances of the situation. And yet the Spirit of God says, trust me and do what I tell you. And in that moment, the most miraculous and ridiculous thing happened. And God parted the waters and provided a way for there to be rescue and delivery and salvation to his people. And in many ways, we uh, don't stand in front of the Red Sea, but we stand certainly in front of a moment of unknown and precarious and, 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 and questions. And we have to ask ourselves, will we be the kind of people that will shrink back and be consumed by the worries, or will we be the kind of people that will press in and seek first and trust that God will provide a way? One of the things that's been true of this church, no matter who has been sitting in these seats, is that we as a community have trusted that God's going to provide. And the kind of community that has sought hard after God first. And I I don't think that's going to change. And I want to invite you into that place where we would consistently in the future be defined as the kind of people that would ask, what if? And we would be the kind of people that seek first. Will you pray with me? God in heaven, I thank you so much that you are not finished with your church, not in New York, not in, not in um, the United States, not in the world, God. God, I thank you that um, today you are stirring something in our community that in a, in a very real way is absolutely uncontrollable. Lord, we haven't decided many of these things. They've been things that have been brought to us, whether it's on a personal level or here as a community. And Lord, we want to celebrate the way that you have been faithful, but God, we look to the future and know that our best days are ahead because you're still doing a new thing. And so Lord, I pray that for each of us 
on our own like individual level that wrestle with that kind of faith and hope, God, I pray that you would give us the ability to see, to trust you again, God, that you are doing a new thing and that we would seek you first above all else. And God, I pray for our community, for Trinity Grace Church East Village. Lord, I pray for Trinity Grace across the city where they're gathering just like this, having similar conversations, talking about their future, Lord. And I pray that you would continue to unite your church, build your church, God, that you would continue to allow us to be the kind of people that bring good news, that create a garden in the middle of a concrete jungle that brings rest and renewal to anybody that would step inside. And Lord, we commit our entire selves to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Friends, I want to invite you